Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, USF has to hire a new athletic director. Will President Judy Genshaft get it right this time? And, oh boy, another race pitcher needs Tommy John surgery. But, hey, maybe help's on the way. Could take a few years. The Rays draft Matthew Libertor. Left-handed pitcher from Arizona. Maybe he can get to the big soon. Or they got USF's Shane McClanahan, 31st overall. Local product coming to the Rays. And the Caps are putting the finishing touches, it looks like, on Las Vegas in the NHL Stanley Cup Final. And I say goodbye to Dwight Clark. You know him as the man who made the catch. I got to call him a friend for the last 10 years. We have Tom Jones, the columnist of the Tampa Bay Times, to discuss all of that and more. On this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay, I'm Rick Stroud with the Tampa Bay Times along with producer Steve Burstick. Before we get started, I want to tell you about a special offer from Audible.com. Sign up now and you get a free 30-day trial. That's a $15 value. And as a listener to this podcast, you get a free audiobook. Just go to audibletrial.com slash sportsday. That's spelled A-U-D-I-B-L-E dot com slash sportsday for a free 30-day trial and a free audiobook. Tom Jones wrote a column about USF and their search for an athletic director. And, and Tom, I'll, I'll make it very easy for our listeners um, just to read your first sentence. Judy Genshaft, better get this one right. <laughs> She's 0 for 2, right? Uh, Is she? I, mean, I, don't, I don't know that she's 0 for 2. Maybe it's not fair to say that she totally swung and missed on the first two. But I kind of feel like, you know, Doug Woolard who was a nice guy and did some good things, and they ran pretty much a clean program. He helped the football program uh, make some strides. But, you know, ultimately it was on his watch that they went from the Big East to the AAC. You know, he, they had this, you know, game I call I compared to musical chairs, and when it was all said and done, they were left without a Power 5 conference. So I kind of blame Ward a little bit for that. And then, uh, and then she hired Mark Harlan. With the help of a search committee, I mean, she wasn't alone in hiring Mark Harlan, but Mark Harlan, I like Mark Harlan. He's a nice guy, again, good guy, but I'm not sure he did what USF needed him to do, and that was basically raise money and become a fundraiser. The athletic director's job at USF, Rick, I feel it's become like an it's become a fundraising job more than anything. This isn't Florida. This isn't Florida State where you're looking to. Uh, to do other things with your athletic program, you, you've already established at those places. USF's still fighting for its share of the pie in the college football landscape. So in order to do that, you, you need good facilities. You need to think about an on-campus stadium. Um, certainly you need to uh, uh, attract fans, excite fans, get the community into it. And I just don't feel that that happened under Mark Harlan. Look, Mark Harlan did a lot of nice things. Again, uh, the programs were pretty clean. Uh, he hired Charlie Strong. I'll give him credit for that after they lost Willie Taggart to, to Oregon at the time. But overall, I just I felt like Mark Harlan was never a great fit at USF. He always felt like he had one foot out the door and he was going to end up going out west somewhere. He did all the things you need him to do in terms of, you know, skip making schedules and, and making sure the, the budget was balanced and, and, and the administrative part of it. I think he's a great second guy. But as far as being the face of the, of the, of, of the program, 
I just don't think he worked out. So look, I think that's what Judy needs to do here. Look, this is a program that a, all these programs they're at a crossroads right now. USF, look, there's no reason why they can't be Louisville. There's no reason why they can't be Miami, but they're getting held back, and I don't know that they can ever take that next step with uh, with the athletic department the way it is it now. What does it say about USF that Mark Harlan um, would leave for that juggernaut? I mean, we're not talking about Notre <laughs> Dame here. The man right. went to Utah, and nothing against a... the nothing against the Utah Utes who seem to pop up in almost every game you watch, it, either in basketball <laughs> or, or football. It's they're playing somebody, but it's not exactly you know like he's like I said, like he's going to Notre Dame or or USC or someplace. But does, does this affect their ability at all to to attract somebody who is who you know has some pedigree? It's you know everything. I agree with everything you just said there, Rick. I mean, you look at it and you think, okay, which is a better job off the top of your head, Utah or USF? And I think part of the problem is USF thinks USF's a better job than Utah. You dig dig deep into it; they're really not. Utah's mm-hmm. a better job. It's it a is, Pac twelve. Yeah. It's a Power Five. It's a Pac twelve school. Now it we is. don't think of it in those terms because we usually when we think of when we think of Power Five schools, and I, and I know basketball, we should think of basketball first, but we tend to think of football first, and because Utah is right. not really a football powerhouse in the Pac-12, um, the way, and, and they're not a they're not in the national picture the way as you mentioned some schools like Notre Dame, and and of course in the Pac-12 you got USC and teams like that. But um, I I think you look at it and say, yeah, that's a depressing move for if you told me, hey, Mark Harlan's leaving for a Pac for for another school, and you said. Uh, okay, maybe Notre Dame, maybe somebody. No, Utah. You'd be like, ah, it's a little disappointing, it feels like. But I don't blame him. It is a better job. And ultimately, I, I, I don't know where USF is going to go from here, Rick, because, I mean, you could go local. You know some guys, you know, certainly. Oh, yeah, we all yeah. know the names. I mean, Derek yeah. Brooks is somebody that's been mentioned. Sure. And, and to me, he's – I don't know if it works now, but he's sort of the Leroy Selman of his time. I mean, Leroy Selman was the athletic director that started the football program. Right. Um. And he's been helping Charlie Strong fundraise, and then Rob Higgins, who I I don't know what they pay him, you know, for the Tampa Bay Sports Commission, but he certainly earned his money, and then some for the community with the events that he's attracted here in this area, USF alum. So I mean, those are two names, but do either of those guys make sense now? I mean, is it would it be would it be good to have a local tie, somebody that understands the evolution of USF that can excite a local fan base? Because after all. The, the money you're talking about, the fundraising they need, um, the vision they need is is pretty much going to come from its grassroots, wouldn't it? You just hit it right on the head, Rick. I mean, I, I do think there's a part – you have to know the landscape. I think you have to know college sports. I think you have to know yeah. how college athletics works. And I, it's never a bad idea to have experience as an AD or, or a top administrator in a university in order to be a successful athletic director at a big time program. And I still think USF's a big enough program that we could call it a big time program. Um, but you also have to know the Tampa Bay area. It's a little bit different than a lot of other places. Again, it's not Florida. It's not, you know, Mark Carlin came from UCLA where, I mean, what's their season ticket drive? It's basically past not the schedules, right? I mean, USF doesn't work that way. Um, so, uh, I do think it would take somebody locally who knows the business community. I would, if I'm USF uh, and I put a search, they're putting a search committee together, I would lean very heavily on the advice of Jeff Finnick and anybody that works for the Tampa Bay Lightning because obviously they've managed to tap in to the community in a big way. Um, but other than that, like when I think of Derek Brooks and, and Rick, you know Derek way better than I do. 
I'm not sure Derek wants this job. And I don't know. I haven't talked to Derek. I don't know if you've talked to him or not. A little uh, bit. I, I think he has other things going on in his life that I'm not sure he I'm not sure he'd be crazy about the, at this time, maybe at another time in his life. And I may be totally wrong. I'm, this is a gut feeling on my part. I'm not sure that, that he aspires at this point to beat the USF. I think he will. I, in fact, I, I mean, I more than think. I think I think it intrigues him. Um, I don't want to speak for Derek, but um, I think it's an interesting. I think he's. I think there's interest. Let's put it that yeah. way. To what level? I mean, a lot of that would depend on. Okay, well, you know, what's the opportunity? I mean, we you know, money is a factor, obviously. But he lives in this community. He does have about 25 jobs. Um, he look. He, <laughs> he, wor- he works. He's got he kids. Works. He's got yeah, stuff going I mean, on at home. You know, his son is at Florida State. Yeah. You know, uh, unbelievably went went and you know was putting on the same uniform that Derek did. Um, so you know, maybe he wants to watch him play on college Saturdays. I don't know. But at the end of the day, I mean, the guy lives in Tampa. Um, he has some experience. He works for Jeff Vinnick in in, in what is now Vinnick's media enterprise because there is no Tampa Bay Storm. He was a general manager of them and. Oh, by the way, the last couple months or so, he's been going around with Charlie Strong trying to raise money already right. for their indoor facility. So he's kind of working um, you know, on behalf of USF without really being on the payroll as far as I know. So, I mean, he's already doing some of that. Now, If you know, does Derek have the administrative background in big-time college athletics that you need? I, I don't know. I don't, well, I, don't, I, don't th- I think that would be okay, though. I think if you hired a really strong number two guy, quite frankly, yeah. somebody like Mark Harlan, right. who, and that was Mark Harlan's specialty, really, is being an administrative guy. If you were to bring in somebody like that, basically, to be right. you know, sort of the, the assistant GM, so to speak, right. and the cap guy, the cap <laughs> you know, guy, to, yeah. to use like a, a But if you term. need to energize a fan base at a Tampa sure. universe, in a university in, in, the, in the city or the area of Tampa Bay that plays at Raymond J., I mean... Yeah, he's a Seminole, but you know, get past that really quick. Well, and, I mean, Leroy Seminole was in a, was from Oklahoma. Oklahoma. <laughs> That's right. Uh, well, look, and you know, Rick. Away. I mean, Derek. Uh, I, I know he had a lot to do with other things too, but he was he's the face of a, of a school in Tampa, and Brooks I know Duarlo, I know it's yeah. right. It's I know it's a much different, and I know your association with that school, but yeah, and it's and I know being the athletic director is a little bit different, but still, he was out there sort of as the face. Uh, Brooks yes. DeBarlo and, and raising money. Still and, is. Very and active getting, yeah, on the board. Getting, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think that's I think that's his strong suit, and I think he would do well uh, in that position if he wanted it. As far as Rob Higgins, again, I'm I, you and I think the world of Rob Higgins, and he's done wondrous do. things in the Tampa Bay area. That's another guy that, and again, I haven't talked to Rob. I'm not sure Rob wants that job. I'm not sure he doesn't have a better job now. Now, maybe – if he wants his career to go into a different area, different direction, or, yeah, yeah, different direction, or try different things, or if he has aspirations to someday, maybe not necessarily be the athletic director at USF, but be the athletic director of of Notre Dame or something like that, then maybe you know this is what you have to do. But um, I, I I wouldn't be stunned if it ends up being somebody not named Brooks or Higgins. I'm just that's just a guess on my part. And a lot of that will depend on who the search committee recommends and whether Judy takes that recommendation or decides to do something else i imagine if you're going to pay a hundred thousand dollars to a search firm you're probably going to take their recommendation i mean that's usually the way it works um that said i mean look can anybody i mean you know i i just i mean usf is in such a i don't know untenable position in some ways and not being in a power five not having a hundred years of alumni um 
you know, uh, football tradition uh, compared to the other universities in the state. I mean, I, you go on and on, and then we talk about facilities. Well, you know, right now they're trying to, to – I think the focus is to get, you know, the indoor football facility, and then maybe they can talk about stadiums. I don't know that either – I mean, I guess the football facility, you know Charlie Strong, how much he thinks that's necessary to, for recruiting and to get good athletes in here, but – I don't know that the stadium is going to push them over the top or not. I, I just don't – I don't know what somebody's going to do to come in here and change sort of what's unique to USF and some of the unique problems they have. Chief among them, hell, there's probably more Gator alumni in Tampa Bay than there is USF alumni. <laughs> well, and here's the other thing that I think USF runs into. And I and you're right, by the way, about the facilities. That the I don't th- I think the stadium is not necessarily the number one thing on the list as far as fixing USF. Right. Clearly it's, it's not. It's the indoor facility and the football offices and, and right. all that entails, like medical rooms and training yeah, rooms right. and all that. It's, because what, for example, I think what Charlie's used to, even at Louisville, I mean, the, basically the, the the building that they had in Louisville for baseball is equal to what basically the USF's entire athletic department has yeah. over there on campus right now. So they need right. to upgrade that. That's the first thing they need to do. But. But the other thing I think that USF's doing with Rick, and again, this is something you you've been in this area forever. I've been here for a long time. There's only so many dollars to go around, and we're talking. They're not just competing against like the Miamis of the world or or the the Louisville's or whatever. But they have they're in a big t- they're in a pro market, so they're battling for the sports dollar along with the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Tampa Bay Rays and the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yep. And I think that's where they get hurt. There's nothing else in Gainesville. It, you're it's a Gator. It's Gator this and gator that and mm-hmm. in tallahassee and a lot of college towns you know state college and lincoln nebraska and, and austin texas and they're, they're mostly that's the only game in town usf's mm-hmm. dealing with you know they're knocking on doors hat in hand trying to get people to give them money and it, those people are also trying to buy season tickets for for race suites and buck suites it's there's only so much dollars to go around in this market and i think that's the other thing that usf suffers from yeah, there's no doubt about that. Well, we'll see where she heads. I mean, it's a tough road to hoe. I mean, would you would you uh, would you say Harlan's biggest contribution was hiring Charlie Strong? I mean, was he what what Probably. is what is Probably. the Harlan era we're going to be remembered for? No, I mean, he, look, he did fine there. I mean, they, Willie Taggart left left in a hurry. Uh, they could have gone a lot of different directions. I, I think they hired the right guy. I think Charlie's the right guy now. Is Charlie a long term solution? Yeah. I don't know. That may be a revolving door. That could be you're either going to get guys who are sort of be. looking for redemption, like Charlie right. was, or you're going to look for a guy who's sort of on his way up, like Willie was, pretty much. So, uh, or maybe you're gonna, 58 years old and you say this is my last stop. Could be, could be, and and Charlie may be in that position where nobody else is going to give him a job because he's he's maybe he's feel, they feel like he's a little bit too old uh, to to go and start a program somewhere else. So, um, I think that was that was his best, probably his best thing. Didn't do so well on the basketball hires, you know. The yeah. at least the the first time around when he sort of screwed that up with, uh, you know, and then and then they got in trouble a little bit with Antigua. So, um, look again. I, I Mark Harlan's a nice guy. If he lived next door to me, I'd be more than happy to have him as a neighbor. I'm just not sure he. I'm not sure the job that that he thought he was taking was the job that he took. I think he thought he was taking. I think Utah would be a better fit for him because Utah's more established and. They got alumni, and they got money coming in, and he can do all the administrative stuff and be less of a fundraiser, which is what USF needed. 
Right. Let's talk a little bit about the Tampa Bay Rays before we let you go. And, um, you know, the Rays, uh, well, they started the road trip. They were pretty hot there for a while. They had won five in a row. They won the first three in Oakland and then lost the getaway game. And then they got swept again in Seattle, which is not breaking news because that's happened for three straight years. But <laughs> um, but in doing so, there were some close gut-wrenching type games that they lost. And now uh, they begin a series tonight with uh, in Washington against the uh, against the Senators. Um, where's are the Nationals? Jesus, Senators! My goodness, <laughs> how old am I? When I in my day, they were the center. Frank Howard was the cleanup guy. You know, Jesus, that's right. Um, the Nationals, yes. Um, Bryce Hoppe and all yes. those guys. So uh, that said, where is this baseball team? I I go back and forth. I think at one time Kevin Cash might become the manager of the year, and then I have a feeling they may never win again. Um, uh, they they continue to have this pitching situation. Another, you know, Anthony Bonda now headed to Tommy John surgery. Uh, this is like the fourth guy, I think, uh, since you know spring training right. or something. Um, what do you think ultimately this is going to shake out with these guys? I think what we're seeing from the Rays is what we're going to see all year. They'll win two or three, and then they'll lose two or three, and they'll sort of hover, you know, between two or three games over 500 and, and maybe four or five games under 500. I think the problem they're going to run into, Rick, is that they don't have anybody in their lineup that can carry them for like a week or 10 days. You know, well, you'll, you'll get a team like like the Yankees who have like three guys that can do that. <laughs> yeah, you know, right. Right, or Boston has like four guys or five guys that mm-hmm. for – if when everybody else is cold, they'll go on a tear. Like Jack, whether it's you know Jackie Bradley Jr. or Mookie, Mookie Betts when he's when he was not on the D, when he's not on the DL or whatever, who who can go seven days in seven games and hit six home runs and drive in twenty runs over that stretch. And the Rays don't have anybody like that. I mean, they might you know CJ Cronk, he's a guy that can pop one out every now and then, but they don't have anybody that's going to go on a tear over like a, a week or two stretch where they're going to hit. 580 and knock in you know two mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market runs a game and you just don't have that type of offense so i think that's where they're going to run into trouble the pitching's been fine and blake snell i mean that oh my guy's goodness. been terrific you know so uh, yeah. I, I this this whole thing with the bullpen and throwing guys out there it seems to be working now look it's two months in let's see how healthy everybody stays and, and if and everybody doesn't have a dead arm come the all-star break it'll be a miracle right. but at the same time the pitching's been fine but i just i think that's where they can get hurt rick where they just i just don't think they have the offense that's, that's capable of uh of winning games when the pitching is not just absolutely lights out well along those lines how far how long now do we have to wait and will it make a difference um before we start you know seeing the jake bowers and willie adamas and these kind of players that come up here um, sometime in late June or mid-June or July, um, will that make a difference or not? Uh, why not? Let's try it. Let's see it. Now, Willie Thomas came up and yeah. you know, hit, hits a home run, and I'd, I'd like to see more of those guys. What I'm interested in, Rick, is is anybody missing Kevin Kiermaier right now? I mean, maybe they are. 
I don't. Maybe well, they are. Have you seen Malik Smith play center field? <laughs> Hell yeah, they miss him. Oh my god, <laughs> they certainly miss his glove. And can can he play first base because that guy can't catch a ball either? <laughs> Brad Miller. <laughs> Good true. god, put a hinge on that brick. Just, I mean, really? <laughs> he carries a frying pan down there to first base. Jeez. No, but I mean. It'll be interesting, you know, when when he comes back. I mean, obviously, they'll have a place for him in the lineup. But but I, I know what you're saying. Like, it is like things seem to be moving moving along pretty well here. Do you get emails um, about him? I get emails about him. Yeah, about all Kier the time. Meyer. Yeah, all the time. And tweets and people saying, "Yeah, know, there's a lot of Kiermaier hate." Yeah, there he's is. becoming the Gerald McCoy of the race. He doesn't Speaking know. Speaking of yet. which, okay, so I I need to ask because I haven't talked to you about that. Maybe, and I'm sure you've talked a lot about. Oh, you I, missed I you, my you missed no, my I, on Sports Day. No, Tampa I, Bay. I, no, I heard. I actually <laughs> I actually heard it. Like, what's been the reaction? And again, like I saw you're like getting into a Twitter, not a Twitter war, but you you got into a pretty good Twitter uh, feud. I guess would be a better. Yeah, word it lasted about three days. It was like a Twitter marathon, actually. <laughs> I just um, I, I don't know. I mean, what's been the reaction since since the 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 rant so to speak. um i don't know i mean the haters gonna hate 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 you know um it's it's just one of those you know it's one of those things um i think people just find him as an easy target and you, you know either you either don't appreciate what he's done but look gerald mccoy is not anywhere near the top of their problems okay no way <laughs> it's it's just interesting to me that a guy that's going to end up in the ring of honor um that if he played five more years and average six sacks a game might even get some consideration for hall of fame but has made six pro bowls and he's he's had four head coaches 13 defensive line coaches and about 50 something teammates on the defensive line but they want to blame this guy for the losses and i'm here to tell you it's an organizational problem that's sure. my my philosophy, and you know all those head coaches failed not because one player didn't live up to the bargain. Um, have they paid him a lot of money? With the you know his problem is he came in he wasn't Warren Sapp. We all know that. I think the bigger question that that they're going to have you know the whole story of the season is going to be what happens to Jameis Winston. You know the NFL investigation is now in its eighth month. Is this guy going to miss time or not? You know, um, and and if he does or doesn't, how does he play? I mean, we're getting to the point now with Winston, and I don't know how you feel about him. And and you know, I think I think the guy's shown he can be very a very good quarterback, sometimes great. And 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 I don't know how you feel about this, but to me, and Jameis has said this too late, late, late. But you got to win, don't you? I mean, as much as we beat, you know, people beat up Gerald McCoy for being on a bunch of losing teams. You're not the guy handing hold, handling the ball on every play, right? It, it seems to me that if you're a quarterback. At some point, winning has to factor in there. And the fact of the matter is, is Jameis has won 18 games in three years. Well, that's two more games than they won the previous three years before he got here. Okay? So right. I, I I just think that, you know, it's kind of silly in a way, but everything is back on that quarterback a little bit. And they've, they've done a lot to the defense. We'll see if that improves them. On paper, it should. Um, I don't know. But I – but the whole McCoy thing, I mean, I don't know where you come down on it. You know, Gerald, it's just – I know why people – you've been annoyed at him. Let's just yeah, put this I, out. Yeah, he has. He's I mean, annoyed me at times. Because he he, he does, gets you at times for his thin skin, which he – he, Yeah, he's a little thin, thinner skin than I like. And sometimes he'll say things like, this year I'm going to go out and I'm going to do this. I'm like He oh, reinvents just, himself. Just, yeah, yeah, just go out and do it. And I, and I understand why – what he's trying to do. I, I do. And I here's the thing. I don't think there's anything malicious about the guy. I don't think he's a bad guy. And I do think he's a terrific footballer. When – 
football player, when you list, if I if I had to list 25 things that were wrong with the Bucks over the last 10 years, right. Gerald McCoy's name would not be on that list anywhere. There, there's nothing. And you know when I look at him, Rick, I look at him a lot like, and I, people are going to freak out over this. I mean, just as an analogy, don't stick with me on this. It's a lot like John uh, Elway, where John Elway was a terrific quarterback for his entire career and didn't win a Super Bowl. And people looked at him as like, oh, he's a loser. He can't win a big one, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they win a couple. And let's face it, he had little to do with them winning the last two Super Bowls that they won. I mean, right. it was an offense. It was Terrell Davis was their offense, and they won with a great defense. John Elway, I'm not saying he had nothing to do with it, but very he wasn't the feature player on that offense. And then all of a sudden we look back at John Elway's career and go, what, top five? Top five quarterback? Top three? You know, we, we sort of, all of a sudden those last couple Super Bowls suddenly made him the first 10 years of his career better. Well, he was the same guy in the first 10 years. I look at Gerald McCoy. If they ever win a Super Bowl with Gerald McCoy, I think mm-hmm. we'll look back his entire career and go, Wow. You're right. It might be a Hall of Famer. But until they win, and the same thing will go with Jameis. Until you win and start winning a bunch of games, even though it's not their fault they're not winning games, mm-hmm. they're the guys that get the blame for not winning games. Yeah, I mean, somehow Elway leaped way ahead of Dan Marino um, right. you know, by winning those two Super Bowls. And for that matter, you had a certain opinion of Peyton Manning until sure. he won his second. And, and he was a, she, she total, uh, a total passenger on that train. Let me just tell you. He could have went out there and played left-handed and oh, not yeah, played which, any worse than what he did that day. What you, would you like about the one for 13 third-down conversions <laughs> in that Super Bowl? Exactly. But all of a sudden, it, it you know, Troy Aikman, Troy Aikman's considered a, you know, a, a great a Hall of Fame quarterback, yeah. Yeah, he won three Super Bowls. He won Bowl. three. Uh, you know, I, but you look at his career, and I, he's not – who would you have rather had if, you're, if you had a, a team – Back in and you were starting a franchise at a quarterback at age twenty-two. Who would you rather, have, Troy Aikman or Dan Marino? You take Dan Marino or John or Jim Kelly. You take Kelly and, and Marino both over Troy sure Aikman. You would. I would, but guy won Super Bowls, and it wasn't because of him necessarily. They had oh, by the way, they had Emmett Smith, and they had a uh, Michael, Michael Irvin, Irvin and, and they had a light, and, yeah, yeah, and they had a lights out defense. Mm-hmm. And, good offensive uh, line. Now he was very very good. Sure. Um, you know, in, in those years that they won it, especially in in the playoffs and stuff. But yeah, your but to your taken. point, yeah, but yeah, to your point, I mean, to all, this all comes back to winning football games. What Jameis? It's not Jameis's fault that they can't run the football. It's not Jameis's fault that that you know Doug Martin went AWOL half the time he was here uh, right. when Jameis was a quarterback. You know, it's not James. It's not Gerald McCoy's fault that they have safeties that can't play or, you know, mm-hmm. they have, they, they have trouble finding a guy, somebody to, to rush the passer. Uh, somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Except, yeah. Besides him. Right. So I think it's interesting. They pick on the one guy that has led the team in sacks <laughs> for the last four out of five or six years. Right. Um, anyway, let's finish up on this. Uh, the Washington Capitals last night uh, put away Las Vegas. They now lead that series three to one in the Stanley cup final. You saw the caps go seven games and win against the lightning. Um, would the Lightning have taken care of Las Vegas had they made it to the Stanley Cup final? You know what? I I I don't know that they would be up three to one against Vegas. Vegas, boy, Vegas had their number during the regular season. It was two games. I get that. You know, yeah. and anything can happen. And it was you know months ago. So uh, who's to say? I think the right. Lightning. I think the Lightning would have won a series against Vegas. I would have picked them to beat Vegas. But I don't know that. I think Washington was a bad matchup for for Las Vegas. I think I think the Lightning would have. They been weren't a, a great bit, matchup for the Lightning. Either. No, they weren't really. They weren't. And look, let that look that we can go back and we can re- review that series and do the autopsy all we want. If those teams were to play again, 
Washington would win again. And if they were yeah. to play again after that, Washington would win again after that. They were the better team. I know it went seven games, and I know anything could happen in that seventh game. And yeah, but when you look, don't there, score there good, in two of them. No, there were good stretches in game seven where the Lightning was the better team, I thought. That's, maybe, yeah, maybe for more than half of them. But yep. if you go back and look at the three games going into game seven, the three games that Washington won and the three games that Tampa Bay won, Washington was way better in their three wins than Tampa Bay was in its three wins. So yes. I thought Washington was the better team. And I again I, I think that it was a it was a bad matchup for, for Vegas. I think Vegas will still win. They'll go they'll win game I bet you this series goes back to Washington for a game six. I think Vegas will find a way to win one more game. But one more game. Boy, Washington's really shut it down. And after the game one, they're like, wow, Vegas not having any trouble scoring goals against Washington. Right. Well, since then, it's, they've, they've, they've clamped it down, and Holtby's gotten a lot better. So, um, You know, the, the neat thing is if they win, if Washington wins here, they'll do something that has never been done. They'll have a Russian captain. The first time a Russian really? captain has won a Stanley Cup. It's only happened two other times where a Euro, a non-Canadian or American has won. Uh, I believe I believe this is right. Has been the captain. Nicholas Lidstrom, who's from Sweden, was the captain for Detroit when they won a couple of their cups. And Zdeno Char with Boston when they won the Stanley Cup. Uh, but other other than that, he's from the Czech Republic. Other than that, or Slovakia. Other than that, um, I, 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 Ovechkin will become just the third European. And uh, and first Russian to be the captain of a Stanley Cup champion. That's just because Stevie Eisenman wouldn't let anybody wear the C in Detroit, or they'd have <laughs> had about true. four of them. That's uh, true. <laughs> That's absolutely true. Um, let me ask you this. If Ovechkin uh, wins the Stanley Cup, true or false, Steven Stamkos is now the best player to not have a cup. Ooh. True? True? I would say true. Yeah, I mean, you got, you're talking about a guy that scored over 300 goals. You're talking about a uh, number one overall pick. Um, you're talking about been to the finals, been, been to, to the, the finals, Eastern been Conference to two, finals. two East, been to three Eastern Conference finals. Yeah, uh, in his career, and and uh, yeah, he's yeah, been to four Eastern go, Conference finals. He's been to four Eastern Conference. Yeah, three that he hasn't. Where they got wait, eliminated, wait. Right? Now he's been to five. This ten minutes ago, he went to another. one. <laughs> yeah, no, he lost. He lost to Boston in 2011. Or he was on the team, I should say. He he didn't yeah. lose on a team that lost to Boston. Uh, and then was on the Ranger game, the one where they won, but then lost against Pittsburgh and then lost this year uh, against Washington. There's so. your next column. You just got to wait a couple days yeah. to write it. But yeah, might, vacation, yeah, you might so be right. You might best, have to wait till you come back. The best, uh, yeah, I would, I would say so. I can't think. I'm trying to think if there's anybody else out there who. I mean, he's been in the league ten years. It's not like he's been only. You know, he's not like a Connor McDavid who's only been in the league a few years. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. I would. You know, guy's been in the league ten years. Number mm-hmm. one overall pick. Been to to uh, the Eastern Conference Final a bunch of times, yeah. There you yeah, go. So. Well, Stevie Eisenman played 14 years before he won his first Stanley Cup, so he's still wow, a few it more 14? years to go. I didn't yeah. realize it was that many. Wow. Mm-hmm. And he won a bunch. He so, did. So yeah. he's got the patience for it. <laughs> he's Tom Jones. Tommy is like old times, man. you got to join us more. No, anytime. I loved it. As the MLB draft rolls on, Connor Scott from Plan High goes to the Marlins, and Derek Jeter, I guess, making the pick at number 13, the left-handed outfielder pitcher so congratulations to him and hats off to the Buccaneers uh, Steve they did this thing with the uh, cup for the cure to help pediatric cancer and uh, good for Jason Light uh, and the guys over there a lot of a lot of players participated and uh, raised a hundred and thirty thousand dollars I guess it was about a hundred and what twenty something in change and I think uh, Joe McCoy coughed up the final seven thousand or so to make it a nice round hundred and thirty thousand so that's a heck of a have a 
participation and uh, just a great effort by the Bucks and the organization. It's incredible. I love seeing all the, the local teams, the Rays and the Lightning, too, all get behind the cut for the cure, and they do this every year, and it's uh, wonderful, and more money's raised every year, and it goes to pediatric cancer research. So phenomenal job. And Jason Light, I'll tell you what, man, that guy looks a little intimidating now with that bald head, man. You know what I mean? I'm glad <laughs> I didn't go work for that guy. A little scary. Um, so we got that. And before we wrap up, I, I did want to say a word. Um, this has been a, a, a tough day um, for a lot of people, um, not the least of which is Dwight Clark and his family, um, Kelly, his wife, and his, and his kids. Dwight Clark, who everybody knows um, from the iconic, one of the league's iconic plays, the catch, um, you know, that really vaulted the 49ers uh, into their uh, Super Bowl uh, dynasty, if you will. Um, died uh, at age 61 on Monday, and uh, it was after a two-year battle with ALS, um, which is a hideous disease. And I had, um, you know, I, I didn't cover Dwight um, during the years that he played, um, but I, I'm fortunate because through my wife, who works for Eddie DeBartolo, we got to know him and his wife, Kelly, over the last 10 years. And I'm proud to say he, he was a friend of ours, and it's it's devastating obviously for his teammates, his 49er teammates. Um, you know, two years ago, uh, I was in Montana with him, and um, you know, I watched him carry two 15-pound bags of ice to his, to his hotel room. They were going out on a boat later that day, and we sat out on the deck, uh, and, you know, he talked about he had just been diagnosed with ALS, and, um, you know, he looked like at age 59 the way we all hope to look, um, vibrant, full of life, um, you know, just charismatic, a great smile, and um, just one of the nicest guys in the world. And he talked about, you know, how his right hand, he felt sort of tingling sensations and couldn't button his shirt and grip things properly. And yet, uh, to look at him, you would think, well, you got, you know, we all prayed that he, there had to be something wrong, that that wasn't, that wasn't really happening. And sure enough, two years later, um, to watch him fight uh, as with as much dignity and grace as you'll ever see anybody fight was, was really hard. And, um, you know, I, you know, Dwight was a guy that no matter what he was going through and no matter what, uh, what the circumstance was right to the very end, the last thing he would say is that he loves you. And was there anything he could do, he could do for you. And that's just truly who he was to the very end. And everybody's going to miss him and we're going to miss him. But um, we're glad that, you know, he's at peace now. And I just hope that people, if you have a chance to contribute, um, you know, to anything to help fight ALS um, in his in his memory, it would be great because it was a it's a it's a tough blow. It's one that, you know, obviously everybody was anticipating would happen, maybe not this soon, but, you know, it did happen. So we're all very sad about that tonight. So say a prayer for his wife, Kelly, and their family. Okay, so um, listen, we're here Monday through Friday. We appreciate you guys joining us. We hope you enjoyed Tom Jones. As always, it's great to be with him again. And um, we love your feedback. We'd love for you to interact with us on Twitter. You can reach me uh, at NFL Stroud. Certainly, you can reach our podcast at Sports Day TB. 
um, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Love for you to rate and review this podcast. Where can they do that, Steve? Anywhere you get your podcast, whether it's through iTunes or Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud. You can subscribe there. You can like there. You can leave comments. Or you can go to tampabay.com slash sports. The latest episodes are there, too. Hey, interact with us because we're going to have a mailbag tomorrow. Get your questions. You can uh, text those to us at SportsDayTB. We'll answer all your questions on the Bucks, the Lightning, um, USF, the Rays, anything you got. Everything and every, anything goes tomorrow, the mailbag section of this uh, podcast. We appreciate your participation. I'm Rick Stroud, the Tampa Bay Times for Steve Versnick. Have a great day, everybody. 